Hello, everyone. Welcome in. One, two, bad fo- Oh. I forgot I was on the internet for a minute. You just got called out. That's what she said. You will get made in the meat pies. Yes, come on! Come on. It's pretty absurd. Bad Philosophy, episode 37, recorded on June 26, 2009. Backseat Philosophy. Hello, everyone. Welcome in. One, two, Bad Philosophy. Coming at you from about uh, 70 miles an hour, going north on Highway 27. Yes! <laughs> this is uh, this is by far the craziest audio setup we have ever had on any podcast uh, so far. We, um, I, I just, I gotta describe, like, the audio setup we have here. We have a couple of XLR microphones hooked up to the normal soundboard, uh, going into my laptop, but we have the laptop and the soundboard being powered by a power inverter uh, hooked up to the uh, cigarette lighter at the front of the car, and we have a headphone splitter going three ways out of the laptop so that we can hear Kevin Saunders. Hi there. <laughs> who, has, who has Skyped in from Grapevine, Texas, um, over the tethered uh, internet connection on on Edge that is hooked up through an iPhone to my laptop. Now, are so, you using a USB connection between the iPhone and the laptop? Yes, yeah, we, I am using a are, USB connection. Because, we are wiring as many things yeah, in this cluster so as we can. many wires in here. Um, joining us from the front seat, uh, our intrepid driver, Matt Legler. That's right. I'm so glad to be back. It's been too long. <laughs> it certainly has. And uh, from the front seat, taking uh, pictures and video of all of this craziness, numero uno fanboy, Jed Cummins. Hello. Uh, welcome. And Wait, there's going to be video of this? Yeah, there is going to be video of this. Uh, well, taking video yeah. of my new iPhone. Yeah, we have. Pants on. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, we cannot see you, Kevin. We've got, um, we've got Aaron Baxter uh, at Sarge Design on Twitter, who is a newcomer to Bad Philosophy. Hey, guys. Um, but not a newcomer to this show. Uh, he is uh, currently taking some video with his iPod right now. Um, we apologize for the audio quality. I mean, there's probably road noise. We're going to try to filter it as best we can. But simply the fact that we are recording this going 70 miles an hour in a moving vehicle um, on the way to the Lubbock tweet up in Amarillo is just crazy. Can I just point out that I bet we would have less road noise if we were recording this in an airplane with the it's possible. sky well, high Wi-Fi. You know, whenever... Oh, Steve, yeah, like Virgin America exactly. sort of thing? Yeah. When Steven first mentioned this to me... Uh, back at school I just like I walked away from that feeling like a 10 year old kid again like I'm so excited and now I'm here and I'm looking at this stuff like this is what I live for this, this is, is ridiculous uh, I mean we are we are total, totally geeking it out right now I'm worried uh, that like something in my car is going to catch on fire yeah right or <laughs> my knee we, we have we are cooling the power inverter via one of the uh, <laughs> one of the AC ducts in the front seat <laughs> so so that it doesn't overheat while charging my laptop um yeah, this is this is totally crazy. We but topic out of this. Yeah, we this is bad philosophy, and we are actually going to talk about something. Um, lies, lies indeed. <laughs> <laughs> so Michael Jackson died yesterday. Other people died yesterday as well. Uh, oh Farrah yeah, Fosse Farrah Fawcett died. died. Yes. Boo hoo! Whatever. I One like of the Charlie's Farrah Angels Fawcett is gone. I like Farrah Fawcett more than Michael Jackson. Jackson. Yeah. So did Ed, Mc, Ed McMahon, but did I just say that? Sorry, what did you say, Kevin? I think I said I liked Farrah Fawcett more than Michael Jackson. Same time Jed said it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I didn't particularly like either of them, so <laughs> I'm not terribly sad. I should have started a rumor that Britney Spears had died as well. There were a lot uh, of rumors. Someone did that with Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. Jeff Goldblum supposedly got a car crash. 
No, Jeff Goldblum is very much alive. <laughs> thank, yeah. thank God. I mean, you know, he has done so much great work lately. <laughs> I said Jeff Goldblum is on uh, one of the Law and Orders now, actually. Do we care? Uh, I do. I like Law and Order and Jeff Goldblum, so... Any Jeff Goldblum fans here in the car? I don't know. I Law mean, and Order fans? Yeah, I guess Law nobody can see me raise my hand. <laughs> I'm right. The only thing I really know him from is uh, first Jurassic Park. He's the second Jurassic Park, too. Yeah, I think most people know him from Jurassic Park. That's yeah. the only thing. Yeah. Okay, um, I just want to point out that a track... A John Deere tractor just went over us on the overpass. That's never happened before in Bad Philosophy. Yeah, I don't think we've ever had a John Deere tractor drive over us during an episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, well, what we're actually going to talk about here today on Bad Philosophy is um, related to the whole death of Michael Jackson and Farrah Fawcett. It's sort of, um, well, in this hyper-connected age, we don't really tend to think about um, what happens when you die. Uh, what happens when you when you leave this this huge social graph that you have created? Um, I, we Jed and I were uh, were talking with uh, Simon Simon Ponder, who's I, I don't think he's been on a bad philosophy yet, but he's very much a part of the uh, the whole loving tweet up group. We were talking the other day about just you know so consider and I know this is kind of morbid, but consider the case where um, one of us died tomorrow. Um, let's say Jed died. Just for the sake of argument, <laughs> um, made it. What? <laughs> Sorry, Jed. Um, Jed, what would you? What do you think would happen if you were just to disappear from the face of the planet? I wouldn't care. I, I'm just kidding. Love you, Jed. <laughs> Thanks for asking, Jed. Yeah. Well, now we know Matt Legler is an yeah. asshole. <laughs> um. Well, I think that you know the spin that we had talked about a uh, you know when we were discussing this off off the air, um, was, you know, what happens with your social media networks? What happens with, uh, what happens to your Twitter account? Is it okay if people, you know, are still adding you and saying that they miss you? What happens with your Facebook wall? Um, you know, what happens with your, you know, your MySpace page? What happens, you know, in more of a, something that, actually matters since what happens to all your passwords for your online sites is that you know how do you manage that if you're suddenly about to drop off the planet i can probably speak from experience on this you know talking about like what happens to your myspace Uh i think we lost kevin well so if kevin dropped off the face of the earth yeah so if kevin dropped off the face of the earth like he just did let's discuss what would happen (laughs) would bad philosophy continue okay okay So anyway, continue, Aaron. So I don't know. Like I mean, obviously I'm I'm not yeah, dead. Yeah, figured out of what. Waited for you to uh, call me back. I'm too self-centered for that. Yeah, we didn't understand any of that, man. Yeah. I was gonna wait for you to call me back, but then I realized I was too self-centered. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, so anyway, Aaron. Yeah. I mean, obviously I'm not dead. I'm still here. But talking about what happens to your MySpace, for example, you know, after you die, well, I'm pretty much it's, it, people on MySpace probably think I died because I haven't used it in probably five or six years so and all I've noticed that's happened to it you know because I log on maybe once a year is just a bunch of birthdays you forgot but you know nobody really you know makes a big deal about it so well one of the things I thought about is is sort of there there are a lot of services available out there who that will like um, keep your password safe 
essentially. So you, you you give them like login information to all the sites you visit. You know, your email, your your Facebook account, your MySpace, Twitter, whatever, and then um, it'll email you periodically and uh, make sure that you're still alive. So if you don't respond to one of these, it will it will then send a it, it'll do a predetermined thing. Either it'll post a message everywhere or send an email out to everybody you know or do nothing <laughs> saying that you're dead like yeah. so if i you know go on vacation for a week and forget to check this it'll just tell everyone i know that i'm dead <laughs> no it, it does many multiple tries yeah, before it actually does it i've got oh, a better system how about i give my passwords to a close you know family member uh, you know in my will as an in case of death open and then tell everyone i'm dead so they actually know that i have to be dead first Oh, it's more of a sense of trust. I mean, in that case, really, it, what if you don't have a person that you trust that well? You know, what if you don't have a family anymore? Um, you can kind hire of, one. Probably. <laughs> I don't still, trust a lawyer. Seriously, that much. That, seriously, though, that you you trust a lawyer to give them your credit card information with which to purchase your information. You know, to to send them a check or whatever. And a lawyer's job is to be trusted. That's why we have them that's why we have you know lawyer pay or lawyer confidentiality that, lawyer client because, that. because you're paid them yeah privileges because that is their job is to keep that information private and secret and now if you're dead it's going to be harder to sue them but if you're dead you probably don't care as much see i would still have a problem <laughs> with them opening it before you actually died and and not you know not keeping that confidentiality and i, I realize a company is is not necessarily trustworthy either um they could be they could be yeah. as trust as trustworthy as a lawyer or less um so what if you what if you trust none of these services or what if you can't afford a lawyer what if you can't afford the expenses they require to to keep that sort of a thing see um, I, don't, I don't trust those services say hey mom keep this until i die or <laughs> hey sis or something i mean yeah there's going to be eventualities things aren't going to happen in which case you'll disappear off the internet your stuff will still be there and no one will know but if you are if you don't if you are that disconnected from the world already, I doubt you have a lot of social service or a lot of social networking stuff that'll have to be cleaned up afterwards. I don't know. I imagine, you know, charging a family member, you know, you like saying you have the duty of posting my one last status update that says Aaron Baxter is dead or something. I don't know, but Yeah, I mean what that, do you post on your Facebook or what what do you have someone post on your Facebook after you die? An obituary. An obituary? You, well, I mean, you think? I don't know. Look at Tupac. He kept producing songs after he died, so... <laughs> <laughs> well, so, I, I just want to go around here. I would say one thing that people have actually done is they've had their MySpace pages, or I don't know about Facebook as much, but I know MySpace pages have been turned into, into memorials for people. Um, sort of as a, this is, you know, this is this was a part of their life. This is where, you know, instead of leaving flowers at the graveside, you leave condolences on a Facebook wall. Um, I mean, we've seen this stuff in World of Warcraft has had, had funerals for characters. World of Warcraft have had funerals for characters who have, for, for players who have died. Yeah, I, I remember one of those, and, and I remember the funeral was, like, crashed in the game. Like, uh, all these all these uh, Alliance players had gathered for the funeral, and, like, a, a huge, like, horde guild just attacked them during the middle of the funeral. And it was, a, it was just a huge controversy, because, like... I mean, in the game, there was nothing really illegal about it, but it was sort of, you know, would you would you go up to an actual funeral and and just you know run around yelling and screaming and punching people in, in real life? Like, 
uh, kind of brought up it brought up that whole question of you know what is what is ethical uh, in that in that sort of digital um, when, when someone passes in the digital world um, is it acceptable to you know go to their their Facebook page and say uh, you know to just post things on there randomly you know hey I never lied to you when you were alive or <laughs> um, such, such and so um, I don't think it's ethical but I think it's going to happen because uh, uh, Don Gabriel's internet dickwad theory oh yeah yeah which I, I don't know if I've talked about on the podcast uh, we, we have talked about that a couple times yeah I mean, this is this is the sort of thing that that's that's going to happen, ethical and otherwise, and we have to understand that that's just going to happen. Um, that doesn't demean the memorial at all. That, that demeans the person who is doing it. You know, if if someone is does a horrible thing, it's you know at a funeral, for example. Uh, well, for example, um, Improv Everywhere did a fake improv everywhere bit where they called the best funeral ever where they had a bunch of total strangers show up to this random funeral the entire thing was faked um, but the, the idea is offensive but it's not a, it's offensive because they did something it doesn't change the, the sanctity of the funeral at all right I don't think well I have to say like uh, let, let me get your opinion Matt um, what what do you think what, what would you have your parents do if you uh, if you were to die? Like, do you think you you would have them delete your account? Do you do you think you would have them leave everything up? Um, um, what would you do with that about that? Here, here's what I've got set up right now. Um, every I don't know, couple months maybe. I uh, you know maybe every month I uh, give my dad a copy of every password I have to every online anything any website where I've got log on credentials or something. I, my dad has that. And um, uh, so that way, like, if there's ever a time, even if it's like I'm traveling in Europe and something comes up, I can't get internet and I've got to pay a credit card bill or something, my dad can take care of that. But then if for some reason I passed away, my dad would be able to go on there and put a message like, and I haven't set anything up yet because, I mean, like, I don't have an influence on the internet to where it matters that much, you know what I mean? Like, people that want to know what happens can go talk to my family, you know? Right. But, um, I don't trust other websites, that these services that you're talking about, with my credentials to say, you know, my bank or something. So, if I did use a service like that, I would use it just for stuff like Twitter or MySpace, where I don't have any anything valuable other than my reputation, because anything like a bank anyway, you even, if my parents or someone that doesn't have a password to it, they can still go to a physical location to access whatever I have there that's important to my life. Right. Does that, make, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, just listening to what you were saying right there, Matt, about, you know, giving your dad a list of passwords. Um, I never really thought about it, but, you know, it's something I would want to do. And, you know, because when you think about it, there's a lot of stuff on the Internet, you know, as, as, it, as it becomes more important in my daily life, uh-huh. if it wasn't already, you know, whenever I die... I'm going to take a lot of those things to the grave with me if nobody else knows. And I'm going to have important information and possibly even assets that no one else can access. Right. So, I just yeah. want to say, do, do you think even if someone had access to all of your passwords and everything, that they would be able to find everything that you have? Like, uh, I, I'd say if, if someone had the password to my computer or, or my accounts, for instance, I, I still don't think they would be able to find, like, everything that I'd done without knowing where to look. Um, so do, do we almost... Do we almost need to create some sort of a uh, some sort of a guide as part of the will as well to say like oh I have this many 
I have these files here. I have the, you know, this stuff is the most important. I have this on this website, this on this website, etc., etc. You mean like creating a, uh, like creating a sitemap for your social networks and for your, say, your files on your computer? Yeah, say just, you know, for your digital life. I would say that um, one of the things that, and this is going to be a little bit of an odd uh, analogy, but one of the things that we do in my work is I work in the residence halls at Texas Tech, and at the end of every year, we typically transition like the people that are supervising that building out, and we create an end-of-the-year report. Um, so, you know, you say all the things, essentially, that you would have liked to have had when you got there and all the stuff that you did get when you get there when you got there. So I almost would say that, you know, you have to look at, have you had a relative die and what, what sort of issues happened there? Because obviously, you know, you can't really know what you're going to need until you talk to either, you know, you actually experience a relative having died or, you know, you talk to a lawyer who specializes in, or, you know, somebody doesn't have to be a lawyer necessarily, but somebody who specializes in, you know, death and dying and wrapping all those loose ends up. Well, you see, along those same lines, like, the reason this is difficult is because most of us have not encountered a relative or even a friend dying that is tied into our social network of hyperconnectivity, you know? Because, you know, like, I've had relatives die before, but they're all, you know, they don't even have computers in their house, you know? And yeah, so, usually usually it's been folks that aren't don't have a very... A very well-developed social graph. Um, I, it's, I'm, I'm trying to think of back to any members of my family. I mean, the most recent to pass away was uh, my grandmother, uh, and yeah, she had you know, zero social presence whatsoever. Um, but I kind of wonder, like my my uncles are getting up there, um, uh, aunts for sure, and they, they're getting. This is kind of the point where they're getting more and more involved in things like Facebook and Flickr and YouTube. Um, and I almost think that, you know, as we've seen, the older demographics are the, the fastest growing segment on the, the, the major social networks. So are we going to start seeing this problem crop up a little bit more in the in the near future, y'all think? I think the closer you get to, uh, like, take the 25, 27-year-olds uh, now, it's probably the first the first generation that you're going to see this become a really a real vital issue. Um, I mean, even my youngest aunt, who is... Uh, say 30 31 um you know she's involved in facebook but she nothing's really done with it uh so yeah i think it'll be a while before or demand for this um service for password recovery will become a big thing is it possible that we're that we're over overestimating the importance of this sort of stuff i mean okay i have a twitter account i have a facebook i have a blog but for the people in my life that I know that I would care if they found out if I were dead, they would find out through other channels. I'm not that disassociated from those people to make it a big deal. If, if I never updated another video, another blog post, another Twitter, that would be okay for me. Because from, from the standpoint of, you know, if I'm dead and that, that just stays static, that's fine with me. I don't really at least where I'm at now, thinking about it, the people, the, the you know, the random spam bots that follow me on Twitter don't need to know that I'm dead. The guy <laughs> that I spent an afternoon with two years ago and friended on Facebook the next day doesn't really need to know that I'm dead. 
I mean, okay, I could, we could inform him, and he would be sad for all of two seconds, same way that a lot of people felt when Michael Jackson died. It's like, okay, it's sad that he died, but I don't, I don't feel a connection there because I don't know this person. See, so I'm, I'm wondering if it's really that important. The people who know me, if I were to unfortunately pass on, they would know. Yeah, that's true. The important people would. But that's you. I mean, it's 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 a it's kind of an exclusive situation. You're in there. Well, see, I don't think it's that exclusive at all, really, because take someone like Kevin Rose. I mean, you know, sorry, Kevin, you're popular, but you're not quite as popular as Kevin with the last name of Rose. Um, but even as you know, he's got what three quarters of a million followers on Twitter or something like that, right? Yeah. But like, I mean, I know everywhere he's traveling at all times because of Twitter. You know, I know where, where he's going, what he's doing, what his work is. I know a lot about his life, but how many people, like, even if your numbers are huge of people that you, that are, that you're impacting through your social networks or online stuff, they don't care if you die. Like, I could care less if Kevin Rose dies, you know? Um, and it, I can, like, his dying is not going to impact my life, you know? There's so a lot you, of you think these o- these people are only like important as long as they're producing content Exa- and like being ex- involved? That's exactly socially? what I'm saying. Because huh. your, your your people that value you as a person are people that know you personally outside of these social networks. Like right. we value him because of what he's given us on the internet. We don't value him. I mean, we value him as an entertainer, but we don't value him as someone important in our lives. If you, there's a difference between him and say my grandma. Yeah. You know? Because my grandma has a much more personal impact on me than Kevin Rose does, even though I know more about what Kevin Rose is doing than what my grandma's doing. That's, a, that's it's kind of like a, a sort of morbid take on things. That that's as much as we we value people only insofar as they are um, socially useful to us. Well, well, <laughs> it's kind it's, of it's kind of an Aristotelian. It is, but I'm saying that the other stuff still exists. You know, we're still in our our circles of life where we're interacting with people. That's not that's not going away. But I'm saying that this hyper connectivity is not necessarily people say it's not as personal and I, I say I think that's true you know yeah yeah it's, it's almost personal in a different way Aaron did you have a yeah. comment there um, and it goes back to where we started and that is Michael Jackson and you, you look at the differences between someone like Kevin Rose and Michael Jackson and say you know Matt could care, couldn't care less if Kevin Rose died but um, and honestly I couldn't care less either but when it comes to someone like Michael Jackson who influenced me as a musician for you know ever since I started listening to him it's it's something that I'm not going to be sad over, uh, you know, for more than just a couple seconds. But it's something I am going to remember for the rest of my life because of the impact he had on me. So, uh, just because he's not here anymore, just because he's not making music anymore, doesn't mean, you know, it, he's not uh, any use to me anymore. You would still know that Michael Jackson was dead because even if he has a Twitter page, even if he's got a MySpace, I don't know that he did. Probably not. He is famous enough here. He impacted you enough that nine times out of ten, the those people that impact are usually if, if they're famous they impact us through fame and through what they, they do because of it or if they're close to us they impact us because they're close to us so either one of those things is going to let us know that this person is dead yeah um, you know okay, if I met a total stranger on a bus and he forever changed my life by telling me you know stop wearing pants and I never wore <laughs> pants again and my life was a thousand times better because of it, but I never saw him again. And I, I would never know if he, he died. And so I so it wouldn't ever be to me. But again, that doesn't change that the impact that he had. 
but there would be no way for me to know that anyway. So if, if a guy on Twitter that I don't follow and not aware of tells only makes one thing on one tweet ever on Twitter that says don't wear pants, that effect doesn't change. Yeah, I see. Uh, the the what we get is this sort of this continual expectation of updates um, that, that comes through social media, and so that stops, and we 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 notice the lack of that. But that doesn't remove the old updates. That doesn't, you know, make them less powerful either. I wonder how often we do notice that they've stopped. Like, I, I do, can you all remember any people that you have uh, follow on Twitter that have died? Jed, you're nodding. Uh, tell your story here. On Twitter? Yeah, on Twitter. Died? Oh, no. Well. I, I'm talking, like, like really recently on Twitter. Like, w- would we even notice if someone we were following just died? I, I have noticed. Like, I do make a point of noticing like oh this person because I I will every couple weeks I'll sanitize my followers list like okay I don't really care Mm -hmm. about this person or they haven't updated and you know I make a point of like wow that I wonder why they're not talking yeah and so I mean not that I know for sure that they're dead like that seems pretty I spit on myself Um, (laughs) that seems like a pretty extreme conclusion to jump to but you know I mean I do notice when people stop stop using Twitter or stop yeah. using a social network like that. Now, um, if it's all right, I'd like to introduce a, uh, a kind of a different branch of social networking, and that is something I do all the time. It's Xbox Live. Um, like Jed said, you know, he goes through and he, quote, sanitizes his follower list. Well, I'll go through every once in a while and I'll sanitize my friends list, but there are some people that I've never seen in person in my life, uh, but I meet them on, say, Halo or something. And they become part of my friends list for, you know, ever since I've had my Xbox. And they mean something to me, even though I never met them. And the only way I can connect to them is through that social networking. So, you know, when they die and I just I see them never log on anymore, I have no idea what happened to them. And it's, it's uh, the news of their death is something I miss out on and I'm just wondering forever. Yeah, kind of that, that mystery is, is what makes it maybe not as much of an impact as it should be. Because when someone goes silent on, on the Internet, oftentimes it, it's, it's possible that they just walked away from the Internet. You know, they're, they're AFK <laughs> um, for a really long time. But if someone goes missing in real life, like, you know, phone calls are made, 911, AFK, uh, away from keyboard. Uh, it's a very, very old uh, first-person shooter acronym. Yeah, I did not spend enough time on AIM. In hey, we all school. had to ask what it meant once, and you always feel like a noob when you do. But... I just found out what it meant, so yeah, I'm, I'm surprised. <laughs> We're all laughing at you secretly. I guess so. Well, I'm gonna let's go ahead and switch gears here. I, I want to know, like, sort of a related topic. What do y'all think of Twitter accounts for deceased celebrities? This is something that came up when we were talking about uh, Mitch Hedberg after the uh, after the end of or I, near the end of, of uh, Bad Philosophy of, of last episode. Because um, there are there are a couple of, of Mitch Hedberg profiles on Twitter, and uh, one of them is, is like posting Mitch Hedberg jokes. But uh, what do y'all do? Y'all think that's ethical? Do you do you think that's okay to for people to, to do that? I don't know. If I, I recall correctly, uh, the Mitch Hedberg like Twitter accounts had like six people following them. So the majority of people, I don't think it'll even affect. Well, so what if what if somebody created a fake but like really active um, Twitter account for a deceased celebrity? Like, say someone started tweeting as Ed McMahon and like being really clever about it, like 
you know, hey, I'm in heaven, or you know, you know, checking out the the poolside by you know the, the pearly gates or whatever, and you know, it's these sort of like maybe tasteful in one sense, you know, not saying, oh, I'm in hell, I'm burning forever, I'm a sinner, sort of things, but just you know, kind of playing around with that. You know, as if the person were tweeting from beyond the grave. Well, does it matter if they're a celebrity? Is that vital to your question? It could be one of two things. One of th- one of two things could happen. Um, one thing that would happen is that um, it would be equated to Beatlemania. You know, a tribute band, a cover band. Uh, at least two, maybe three of the Beatles are dead. I haven't been keeping track recently. Two, two. Of them. But there are a number of people. Okay, two number of people out there who do Beatles cover bands. They act like the Beatles, they play the Beatles, but everyone knows it's not, not the Beatles because Paul is dead. Is Paul dead? Did I just screw up? Um, no, Paul is, not dead. Uh, Paul. Paul is not dead. Uh, George is dead, and John is dead. But Paul is yeah. not dead. Well, if you play the record back, it says Paul is dead, so I always get confused. But okay. those, those exist, and it's... That's what, it, that's what, they, that's what Satan told me. Um, <laughs> now but, I know what Kevin so does in, in spare time. In, in light of those, it's you know it's not tasteless to to play the Beatles music and turn into a great person. Now, when you have suddenly you know I don't know slaughtering goats on the stage that and saying hey we're the Beatles this is what we do. That's not so cool. Yeah, that'd be tasteless, but they also they also wouldn't make any money doing it. Yeah. But what you know, and I, I've I've seen one of these Beatles cover bands, the the Eggman, and really, if you close your eyes and just listen, it is scary just how just how much some of these cover bands can sound like the Beatles. Um, but I mean, putting it specifically in the context of social media, what, how do y'all feel about those, say, those Mitch Hedberg accounts? Like, imagine if one of them were were kept up like really well in in such a way, that's sort of like a tribute account. Would that would that be acceptable? And you know, would you have some criteria for how um, how one of those deceased Twitter accounts should be run? Well, I think first of all, um, of course, one of your conditions was tasteful, but it would be really hard to do that without being kind of creepy. Um, do you think a lot of fans would just be like, "Stop this, no matter what"? Well, I think some fans would because you know you always have those dedicated, zealous ones that are like, you know, you're not you're not him or you're not her, so you can't do it. Period. But um, I see something. I see a, a Twitter account say being okay if you post random facts about this person, you know, every once in a while. Um, but to to make an account like that and speak uh, on that account from that person's perspective is kind of like taking that person's identity. And I'm not sure. Uh, I, w- I would have to see a good example, but I'm not sure I'd be okay with that 100. percent This is something that came up in the news recently. Actually, um, someone created a, a Twitter account for Tony Larusa. Uh, you know, guy that got caught cheating in baseball, if you're not familiar with him. Um, and he actually sued this person. Or, I can't remember, did he sue the, per- the person or did he sue Twitter? I'm pretty sure he, he sued, no sued the individual who was doing it, but um, he he basically said, no, you're, you're, you are, you're taking my identity, you know, this is not cool. And, you know, of course, Twitter relented and, and gave him the account, but... That was sort of a that was sort of a situation where someone did let that for a celebrity who was very much alive. Now a deceased celebrity would not have the recourse to be able to sue. Uh, potentially, they might have a family who cared about it, but you know, what if the what if the family wasn't keeping tabs on it? Do you think everyone's first reaction would be to to sue to just you know keep uh, an imposter like that quiet? 
I think it could happen, but I don't think that it's enough of a deal that we should worry about it happening. I mean, I don't think that Beatlemania got permission from Yoko to do Beatlemania. Um, but then again, it, there's also the... It's it's tricky because with, with cover bands, going back to that, because I like the, the analogy, and I also like saying Beatlemania, um, is you, you know you're not getting the real product. You know this is, this is an amazing facsimile, and that's all that it is. Now, the majority of the population in America now knows that Michael Jackson has died. Right. And so a Michael Jackson Twitter account, no one is willing to expect that to be the real thing. Well, of course not. Especially if it starts up to, if it got created today, it starts updating tomorrow. What, where I would see it falling would be under, you know, the, the, the idea of um, parody, because it could, it could easily be a parody. But if the, uh, a good example... Fake Steve Jobs. This was a blog that existed for a while, and it was called Fake Steve Jobs. I mean, everyone knew it was fake from the beginning, and there wasn't really a lot of recourse Steve could have, because he's like, I'm not claiming to be Steve Jobs, but I kind of am, but it's fake. And so I, I don't think, any, I, don't, I don't see him suing over that. Now, are there other things that cause lawsuits? I'm kind of wondering, like, what, what would happen to Fake Steve Jobs if Steve Jobs were to pass away? Do you think that that individual would stop blogging as Steve Jobs, or, or what? Steve Jobs. Well, Steve Jobs stopped a long time ago. Well, yeah. If this was a guy that initially respected Steve Jobs, you know, you would obviously expect him to stop, you know, being fake Steve Jobs, but... Yeah, he wouldn't be like, this is fake dead Steve Jobs. Yeah. <laughs> Zombie Steve Jobs. I mean, but if it's some guy that's just out there to have fun on the internet, then, you know, I would expect him to keep going, and not only that, have some fuel in his fire for at least a few months after his death. Yeah, it's true. Well, I don't know. Um, what are some other thoughts you all have around this issue of, of death and social media? I think well, oh, um, one of the things that I think that would be more tasteful than, hey, I'm in heaven, like, I'm tweeting about this, would be, you know, like a more of a memorial type thing. If it, You know, for example, I, one thing that I think would be interesting would be uh, Douglas Adams Twitter account uh, Douglas Adams being the author of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy series yes. as well as some other uh, fantastic mm-hmm. uh, kind of goofy sci-fi so fiction is, is this the part we go into our sponsor Audible? yeah sure <laughs> but uh, why is this truck behind me so close? <laughs> um, at any rate I think you know like Douglas Adams is a person that I you know I really admire and I think that he's also a very funny person and very witty and he has some great quotes out there and I think that you know every once in a while I would you know I would enjoy personally a you know hey we're gonna tweet this you know this thing that that Douglas Adams said because I you know we just want you to remind you know we want to remind you that you know he's his work is still out there and if you would like to remember him feel free to follow this account. Yeah, so I, again, sort of using it as a marketing... Is a marketing, of, yeah. yeah, that's very marketing-based, but I think it's will end up being a lot more tasteful than, you know, ham in heaven, because, yeah. you know, you don't even necessarily know that that's what that celebrity believed. Douglas Adams is an atheist, so he probably wouldn't say that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he, would, he would be like, yeah, his Twitter account would be... Still dead. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, one th- one thought I had was: uh, is it acceptable, or is there a difference in the question that we had before? Um, is it okay to make a Twitter account 
for someone who's popular or known worldwide that's been dead for a long time, like ever since before the internet. Uh, like, say for example, you know, Helen Keller. Um, you know, if you go to twitter.com slash Helen Keller, it's just like every tweet is a bunch of nonsense. It's just like beating the keyboard. And I, I know it's really mean, but it, it made me laugh. But, uh, I know, but think about someone like, holy uh, crap, that was a treat. <laughs> I don't know, but, um, that's a nice you know, truck. And a more serious note, what about somebody like, uh, George Orwell? You know, someone who envisioned the future and George Orwell has a blog. That's, does, that's does pretty he, cool. <laughs> You know? I'm dead serious. No, what someone did was um, they they took his journals and then, like, 60 years after he wrote them, they started uploading them as a blog online. Oh, that is cool. And so, like, regularly, George Orwell's blog updates with you know whatever. Um, and it was in his journals and I, I, I think it started like six years after his journal started and so it's just been updating continuously until they stopped wow I think that uh, that brings up another interesting point is you know who should we be archiving all of this you know should will years from now people care about what you know what Matt Legler's Facebook page said on June 26 2009 Maybe not, but, you know, I think that it's an interesting, you know, time capsule piece because we do live a significant, or at least personally, I live a significant portion of my life online. I, you know, I plan things online. I, looking at Twitter, you know, is a good way for me to say, oh, that's what I was doing on that day. Yeah, I, I would I would say it's akin to, like, preserving letters uh, was, uh, you know, 50, 100, 150 years ago. Um, this this is this is our life. This is this is you know our personalities put down in not in writing necessarily, but um, in in some form of text. And I think archival is something that has been done very poorly on the internet so far. I mean, there are sites like the Internet Archive that are are keeping regular backups of the entire internet essentially, but not really the entire internet because so much content is very dynamic. Um, you haven't downloaded the internet, and it okay. would yeah. Um, the internet itself is is many 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 petabytes of information, um, and it's constantly, uh, you know, many many petabytes of information is constantly added to it on a regular basis. Um, I think you know to keep a running archive is almost impossible at this point, um, but I. Th- I really think it should be it should be done on a personal basis. This is the um, part where we go into our Carbonite sponsorship. <laughs> Carbonite, <laughs> right? I wish Carbonite sponsored us. Um, but I, for instance, I keep uh, I've kept my AIM uh, AOL Instant Messenger conversations uh, logs for six years, going on seven, um, and that is that was very much where I spent a lot of my time. Not so much recently. Um, I have I have kept a personal journal for the better part of two years now, and I really wish that there were a way to keep a, a running journal of my tweets, and of you know in some ways of, of others' tweets as well. There really isn't a good uh, Twitter archival service out there. There's not any Facebook archival service that I know of. Um, Facebook has really crappy history. If you've ever <laughs> tried to find out when you friended somebody, it's it's virtually impossible. Um, 
and it, you know to go back and, and look even at, at all of your photos and like download them is, is very hard can I just say I'm feeling very happy as bad philosophy is fixing to enter happy in about one mile oh <laughs> yeah there is Texas. there is a uh, happy Texas that we're about to <laughs> we're about to pass <laughs> that's funny um but yeah, I mean, what do y'all think? Like, is is archival is first of all is archival important? Like Jed said, and is it possible to really do good archival on the internet right now? Um, uh, just so you know, our listeners know, I am a web design major at Texas Tech, so I may have a little bit of a different view on this. But um, I think where the internet fails uh, the most at archiving is original sourcing. And that um, there are some things that get copied over so many times, especially on YouTube. If you go to YouTube and search for some popular music video, there have been 20 other people that have ripped it and posted it on their accounts. Uh, I'm not really sure why, but stuff like that happens all the time. And I think that is one of the biggest failures. But you know, you're talking about archiving your Twitter account and your Facebook account. And I think that, I mean, obviously that technology is extremely, extremely accessible because, you know, it's as simple as recording an RSS feed every day um, but yet it's not being done. Yeah really it's it's not integrated. That, that's mainly what I, my problem is. is it, you know Google has done a pretty good job of archiving your, your internet search history um, and most browsers have sort of a running cache of your most recent history but archiving those files is next to impossible because of privacy concerns it's, it's way easier to delete them <laughs> To make sure that that history doesn't exist, than to uh, to actually keep it. Do, um, along those lines, do any of y'all actually have your browser empty all your temporary internet files when you close it? No. Because like Steve Gibson from Security Now is like all about that, you know. And he said that you should never leave any. Oh, great! Well, he's never going to know where he went three months ago when he wants to look up a web page. Then I mean, that's you, that's the kind of the trade-off is is you trade privacy for history. Well, not well. Privacy for convenience. I yeah. Mean, security yeah. and convenience have always been a trade-off. And I think a point that I... And I'm sorry to kind of call back to something earlier in the conversation, but one of the things that I did want to bring up is that, you know, even if, say, you really are in that situation where, you know, you're afraid you might pass away and you have all this important stuff that you would like to go out there once you do die... There are ways, you know, encryption-wise, public key, private key, that you could, you know, you could create a public key or and then break up your private key into, like, ten pieces and give it to, you know, ten of your closest friends. And the only way is if all ten of them agreed that you were dead, then then they could all come together and have access to that information. Sort of so. like all the all the pieces of the uh, of the of the loot like in yeah. uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> sounds, like, sounds like national treasure to me. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, well, see, I, I, I think that's a, a perfectly legitimate strategy, but the the fact that so many people care that much about privacy, I think, is is worrisome because w- what about you know twenty, thirty, hundred years down the line? Is there going to be a way to re to reconstruct what the the daily thoughts of people living right now were? Um, in the same way that we could look at like newspapers and such, or, or do you know do the do the do the really mainstream sources out there convey culture well enough that we would uh, that we are, are okay with those being the history that is created out of this time rather than the, the, the actual day-to-day conversations that go on. I mean, um, 
you know, God forbid something happened to the earth where all of us are wiped out and our descendants somewhere down the line go back and all they see is the history of what we did on the internet, I mean, they would get this totally wrong idea about, of what our society was about. So, I don't know, I would they? Do you, because we've created that content, you know? I, I think it's a valid question to ask. Are, is it really like that content that's out there, does that really not reflect who we are? Is the society as a whole... Is the Earth? No, it doesn't. I mean, it's. I don't think it does. It's at a all. pretty edge case of you know how many you know all of us obviously own quite a bit of technology to be able <laughs> yes. to do this. But um, you know, I mean, we're we are still very much the exception and very much the um, you know the people that do own computers and can make that internet culture pop- happen. But I think that, you know, Stephen brings up the point of will, you know, will the data be around about, you know, because we do have a push towards privacy and, you know, towards keeping, you know, my life private, not all up in other people's business. But I think that's always been the case, Stephen, you know, like looking at, you know, hundreds of years ago, I'm sure many, many people threw away their letters and we're just getting, you know, point one percent of what actually existed so we don't yeah, really that's a know good point. yeah and going going back to the whole you know the internet doesn't represent us thing uh you got to think it, it is a virtual world and if it was exactly the same as the real world we would not have a use for it i think because you don't need two things that serve the same purpose that take up so much time in your life so um i think it's perfectly understandable that the internet would not represent humanity or I guess. So, so what? I, I guess I'm curious. Then, so what does? I mean, do we let the New York Times write our history? Do do we let the you know their Time Magazine like the crappy articles about the the internet? Um, <laughs> do we let them say you know what what was actually happening, or do we all kind of do we create our own histories every day with well, with the tweets going on? With we the don't have that a say in who what our history is. Our history is made by the historians, not by us. Uh, um, as much as like to think have an effect, you know, we don't have as much control over what could or could not be found. I mean, we can say, I'm going to try and store this for 100 years. I'm going to bury it in the ground and, you know, in adamantium. But that doesn't mean it's going to go and that doesn't mean it's going to last that long. It doesn't mean it's going to be found. And so we only have that much control. And then there's how is it going to be interpreted on the other end, which we have absolutely no control over. And so as much as we, we want, okay, we're going to archive everything, and then they'll have to be able to get a clear picture of it, that's not guaranteed, um, which is, I mean, historiography is a risky field to get into, you know, the idea of figuring out what, what we have means. Okay, I've got an old document that says Abe Lincoln was a poopy head. <laughs> Does that mean Abe Lincoln was a poopy head? No, it means I've got an old document that says this. And what we and how we deal with that information, how we use that information, greatly color understanding of that. And we'll still in the future. We're never going to get perfect histories. No, I, I'm, I'm not even. I'm not asking for perfect histories, though. But I, I, I think that with all of this information available, that we could do better than than we have in the past. I mean, granted, we we're only getting you know point one percent of all the letters that were written back there. 
Um, granted, I, you know, we're only getting a, a small fraction of like the, the television broadcasts and the magazines that existed in the 21st century. But I, I feel like we're getting such an even smaller fraction of all this data that, that's flowing around now. Well, you see, but that we, could be, that we could be processing it so much better than we are. Here, here's what I think. Um, Kevin raised a good point saying that it's historians that decide what's history. But that's because in, like, up until now, history has been what has been written. And what has been written has been either a smaller portion of society or it hasn't been saved. But now, the reason we say not much is saved these days is because there's so much more. But so relatively, like, there's a smaller percentage of saved because there's so much more being written. But at the same time, there's so much more documented now than there ever was before in history. And it's the documentation that makes history because it's what's written down, you know? The reason historians write history is because you get geologists that go out to, you know, someplace and dig stuff up, and the historian looks at it and decides, you know, what's going on, and they write it down in a textbook. But nowadays, you know, people can go, you know, to some, something that's been cached online, read it, and then they can, make, they can see that as history. It's a, it's yeah, a and I, I think of... that the, it, it should shift away from you know historians having this this uh, you know carte blanche the, this complete control over over the histories that are, are being written. And I think that we you know as as that ability to quote unquote write um, goes to a, a greater portion of society and a greater portion of the world. I think that that there should be that there have to be more historians that that all of us are sort of our own historians and that we should we should take care of the image that we leave behind while we're still living and and that that kind of ties it back to to the very beginning like if if someone were to come around you know 50 years from now and google your name what would they find assuming google is still around (laughs) (laughs) i think that that brings up the you know the traditional I, I love this quote. I use it a lot. But, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. Um, Spider-Man. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was around long before that, man. Yeah. But, you know, just thinking about we do have an, an enormous amount of power to, you know, publish our lives and to be out there um, with everything, you know, that we have and get it. I mean, 10 years ago, this podcast would not have been, I mean, we could have sat around and recorded stuff with the tape player in the car even, you know, but like nobody would have cared. God, and I that would have been so much easier yeah, than this. Yes. <laughs> but I think that, you know, we are able to reach, you know, at least a little bit wider of an audience today. But I think part of, you know, having that greater power of influence and of reach also comes with the responsibility of, you know, we need to be the people that are in charge of archiving and correctly archiving our own our own history and our own you know whatever we find important to us because if you know if we don't trust the historians to do it then we have to we have to do that ourselves and we have to part of doing that yourself is learning the how to how to write history and learning how to archive and things like that you want a job done right you gotta do it yourself yep so um, maybe it's going too far, but you know the only real way to educate the people is to, in fact, educate them. So, I mean, if you wanted to go as far as uh, requiring states to have a class, say in like, I don't know, your freshman year at high school, that teaches you how to archive things on the internet or how to write on the internet, you could do that. But other than that, people are going to do what they want to do, and even after that, people are going to do what they want to do. 
So, yeah, and I'm I'm just afraid of that 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 too many folks don't care enough about about their own history to uh, to do it right. Uh, but anyways, we're we're gonna get Kevin on here in a second for some closing comments because <laughs> we lost him once again. I, I have something to say though about that. Like when people are recording history, like you said, we have a responsibility to do it. But you know, when you're teaching people, this is how you have to record history. Then you're not we opening, have 3G. You're not opening up doors for them to do something new. You know what I'm saying? Because a lot of what we're talking about is people recording history in a new way. Yeah. So things will change as we, you know. Right. As soon as we pass a bill that says, you know, all schools in Texas have to teach this certain class, it's going to change. Yeah, well, that that's a topic for a whole nother day, I'd say. Yeah. <laughs> all right, well, uh, this has possibly been one of, one of the more epic BFs uh, technologically. And, uh, and I have to say, we got, we got very, uh, very F as in the course of the episode. Especially for being four, four dudes in a car and one, by, one guy in grapevine. Exactly. Yeah. Very this well is the said. first road trip I've ever taken where I didn't have to go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Outro. That needs to be in there. Definitely. All right. Well, Kevin, first of all, thank you very much for, uh, for Skyping in and, and uh, being patient with all the connection drops throughout the episode. As always, glad to be here. And uh, Matt, thank you for uh, for driving us on our way here. <laughs> oh, sure thing. Thanks for uh, finally getting me back on. Yes. Um, Aaron, thanks for coming on the show for the first time. I just want to thank you for fulfilling my dreams. I didn't even know this was a dream I had until it happened. You know, I, I feel like I can die happy now. So, I mean, if you could just see the scene we have here in the car, you would understand. Well, what are you going to do with your Twitter afterwards? Uh, <laughs> exactly. You know, I think we just talked about that in the last hour or so, so... <laughs> You can oh. just go back and listen to what you just said. <laughs> and as far as the video goes, uh, I believe you did record a video of this, uh, so... I recorded a little bit. Okay. Uh, but I'll, I'll post it for the people that wanted to see the inside of the car and the beginning of the conversation. <laughs> see so. the inside of Fabio. We'll, we'll make sure to get all of the media yeah, of this together. That, maybe. On, uh, like, on my new iPhone 3G Sexy, I can direct upload to uh, YouTube, so... I think Very I'm nice. going to start a Twitter account for my car. What happens yeah. when I wreck it? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, finally, Jed, thank you for uh, for being the front seat driver the whole time. I'd just like to point out that this is really... I mean, we'll hopefully we'll get some pictures up on the site and up on the uh, Bad Philosophy Twitter accounts and our individual Twitter accounts as well. But, you know, this has been a pretty epic day for nerdy achievers everywhere it certainly has (laughs) we just drove past 80 cows (laughs) wow Um, speaking of Twitter you can follow us all on Twitter Um, I am at S Torrance S-T-O-R-R-E-N-C-E Jed is at Linux L-I-N-N-I-X our driver Matt is Legmar L-E-G-M-A-R Aaron you are Sarge Design and you can follow Kevin at K-E-V-S-A-U-N-D, Kevsond, or you can follow the show at Bad Philosophy. And wow, that is the most handles I have ever given out on the show, ever. Uh, thank you all for listening to Bad Philosophy. Except for death and paying taxes, everything in life is only born. I'd just like to point out that thank you, AT&T Network. I mean, you, you probably hate us right now for oh, we're doing all grossly this? abusing your technology. How much but bandwidth do you think we used on this drive? Hey, you're paying enough. Yeah, I, I Not agree. Not according to AT&T. Well, I'm paying unlimited, and they aren't providing me the option, so I feel like I can do whatever I want with my software at this point. Yeah. Bad Philosophy is brought to you by Skype Out and by Apple. 
check out their offers through the affiliate section of our website. Sorry, I was getting a beer.